Welcome to the Misty Bloom Book Club. Hey, 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 it's Ada. How are you doing? I hope you're taking good care of yourself and doing well. In this episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club, I'm going to review What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens. You ready? Let's go into the clubhouse. (laughs) Before I launch into my review of What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens, I want to talk a little bit about honesty. So grab your coffee, water, wine, whatever your drink of choice is, sit back and relax because it's about to get real. (laughs) So there's this great advice that I've seen floating around the internet. I've seen two versions of the same advice, and I don't know who to originally attribute the quotes to. But if you do know, let me know. So with that being said, um, here's the first quote. Truth without love is brutality. And the second quote is, honesty without compassion is cruelty. So both of these quotes are essentially saying the same thing. And it stuck with me because honesty is a virtue, and that is unquestioned. We are taught from a young age not to lie, to always speak truth to power. We're taught honesty is the best policy. There's no negotiating honesty. We should all strive for honesty as one of the greatest virtues to pursue and practice. However, honesty is not an excuse for us to hurt people. You know, in the exercise of being blunt, there's no need for us to administer blunt force trauma. There has to be a way, and I'm learning this as well, to be honest without inflicting harm on someone. So finding that balance between being honest and truthful, but also couching the honesty and truth in the way that minimizes harm. So why am I bringing this up? No, I'm not taking a detour from talking and being about books to becoming a virtue guru. Although if that pays more, I might reconsider. (laughs) I just want everyone, including myself, to be kind. It makes for a better world and a gentler existence when we're all kind to each other. But the reason I was bringing up the whole honesty and truth, cruelty, brutality thing is because I thought about perhaps not doing reviews for books that I didn't enjoy reading. But I also think that's completely unrealistic. You know, sort of pandering to the whole, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, which to me can sometimes be a cowardly piece of advice, in my opinion, because it has taken the path of least resistance. It's a little bit passive and kind of whack to just absolve yourself of the responsibility of saying nothing at all, rather than plumbing the depths to find the good about someone or a situation. Also, the podcast would start to come across as fake because after a while, you'd notice that I love absolutely everything that I read, which is impossible. Life is not just a pond of lilies. It would not give the Misty Bloom Book Club any sort of dimension or credibility. I would not be a reliable source of literary commentary, critique, or appreciation. You guys are smart. You would pick up on the artifice that I'd be putting out. And even as a published author, I'm still growing and always learning to be a better writer. And seeing the work of others where their novels shine and where they fail helps to sharpen my own craft. And the bottom line is this. It is immature to avoid conversations that are difficult or uncomfortable. And like you, I also want to challenge myself to be honest without being brutal. So now that I've given you my whole spiel on honesty and brutality, let me start my review of what we lose with a quick and dirty overview. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) What we lose is written in the first person. 
V-I, and follows Tandy, who's born and raised in Pennsylvania to a South African mother and an American father. Partway through the novel, Tandy's mother is diagnosed with cancer and very unfortunately passes away. And the novel transforms into a meditation on dealing with terminal illness, grief, and loss. So going into What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens, I had high hopes for the book. And the reason I did is because the writer Zinzi Clemens, hold on, let's talk about her name for a second. I love her name, Zinzi, by the way. It just sounds glorious. And she has the coolest initials. ZC, baby. ZC in the building. (laughs) Anyway, Zinzi Clemens is part South African and part African American. So I was looking forward to getting her extremely unique and distinctive perspective on race and race relations. You know, with her coming from this dual heritage that's very loaded on both sides with very different but both extremely intense race histories and that's putting it mildly and no I'm not putting this burden on Zinzi Clemens to talk about race you guys know exactly how I feel about black and minority writers being forced to take on social issues if not go listen to episode one of the Misty Bloom book club where I talk about this in a little bit more detail I had this expectation for Zinzi Clemens to address race issues not because of her heritage, but because the actual book jacket describes the protagonist of What We Lose, Tandy, as being caught between black and white. So there you go. The first thing I thought about What We Lose is that this novel, for me, read like a memoir, or maybe even more accurately, a non-chronological diary, or maybe a fusion of all these things together, like part novel, part memoir, part diary which I thought of as an unconventional approach to creative writing. I totally saw what the author was trying to do here. Zinzi Clemens took what we know of as the conventional novel, you know, the traditional approach to crafting a novel, and turned it on its head. It had like untitled mini chapters under chapters. There are graphs included in the book. It is wildly non-chronological. There is some philosophy thrown in. There are expositions on South Africa. With what we lose, the author attempted to do something inventive. But not just trying to be inventive for for its own sake. I saw very clearly that the unorthodox structure Zinzi Clemens adopted for this novel is meant to reflect that grief is not linear or a tidy emotion. The emotions of grief are all over the place. Grief is disorganized. Your feelings are a jumbled mess. Your memories of the person you lost switch back and forth between the recent past and way, way back. And the non-chronological narrative choice of what we lose reflects this. And I always respect when anyone is truthfully and doggedly pushing the boundaries of what we think is possible. It was certainly brave of Zinzi Clemens to attempt to do something innovative here. Like I said earlier, taking what we know of as the orthodox approach to novel writing and turning it on its head. And I respect Zinzi Clemens for writing what we lose in this manner that she felt was best suited to the story. I'm going to speculate that Zinzi Clemens would have come up against some resistance, so it must have taken guts to push forward with and fight for a novel structured in this manner. Aside from that, what we lose had some profound moments and I'll give you some examples. I really like the part of the book where Tandy's father is moving on and finding a new relationship after his wife's death. And Tandy is understandably resistant to her father moving on from her mother. And I'll read the scene to you from page 164. I want to be happy again, he says, his voice breaking. Don't you think I deserve happiness? Of course, I say. You deserve much more than that. I only wish I could be okay with what form of happiness you've chosen. That right there is a pearl of wisdom that I want you to think about in your own life. For example, I think many of us are not really resistant to other people finding happiness. We only question their methods for doing so, whether or not it's our business to do so, but it's something to definitely think about. There was one line I really liked on page 145 and it reads... 
I realized that that was how heartbreak occurred. Your heart wants something, but reality resists it. So true, you guys. So true. I also like this paragraph from page 182. It reads, Love and marriage are completely unrelated enterprises. Marriage bears little resemblance to love as competing in the Olympics does to your afternoon jog. Sometimes I think with regret of how our love might have grown if we hadn't driven a pregnancy, then a marriage like two speeding 18-wheelers straight into it. I mean, that right there is a lot of food for thought. I also like this line on page 185. Peter sighs, reaches for the pacifier, and pops it nervously into M's mouth, as if our child is a bottle of champagne threatening to explode. <laughs> I thought that was a fun sentence. Here's another great line from page 206. It reads, Sometimes I sniff the bottle of perfume of hers that I saved, but it doesn't come close to the robustness of her smell. It is her, flattened. That was a heavy sentence and it made me sad. I think the sentence was so effective because we associate smell with memories and nostalgia. So I think that's what was so profound about this particular sentence. So those are the things that I appreciated about what we lose. Now I'm going to flip the script and talk about what I didn't like quite as much about what we lose by Zinzi Clemens. So overall, I'm going to admit that I struggled with what we lose. Sadly, it didn't hit the spot for me and I hate that it didn't because like I said earlier, I had such high hopes for this book. However, I wouldn't call what I didn't like about the book as weaknesses per se, but I see this more as a cataloging of my frustrations with what we lose. What we lose totally was a worthy and admirable attempt at being experimental and innovative. However, and ultimately for me, I'm sorry, it just didn't work. While I wholeheartedly understood that the author was making a deliberate, eclectic artistic choice, I struggled with the way the book was structured. I mentioned earlier that it had untitled mini chapters, under chapters, there are graphs, it is wildly non making it difficult to follow. The philosophy felt like it was thrown in. There are what I found to be problematic expositions on South Africa that I'll talk about a little bit later. The inconsistency to the novel structure crippled my enjoyment of it. It interrupted the flow of the novel and gave it a distinctly jerky quality that felt like whiplash. While I appreciated the author's experimentation and innovation, but to me it just read as disjointed and came off as gimmicky. Or maybe I just simply have boring, stock, archetypal taste in literature. You tell me. I don't know. But my advice here for any new and aspiring writers who are listening, my advice, for whatever it's worth, is to always be aware of the line between avant-garde and gimmicks. You should always, always aim to express your own originality or uniqueness like Zinzi Clemens did here. However, please remember that your originality or uniqueness is like a fingerprint. It is innate in you and you don't need the gimmicks, bells and whistles or whatever the writing version of autotune is. Trust yourself that your work will reflect your individuality, period. Apart from the stylistic and structural choices that Zinzi Clemens made in What We Lose, I also found that, unfortunately, there was nothing special about the writing itself, and that was another problem for me. The writing overall was pretty basic, but it did have some very strong, thoughtful moments, which I shared with you earlier in the episode, and those were the shining moments. I didn't like that beyond those examples that I shared with you earlier, most of the rest of the prose was pretty basic, like describing winter as a long, dark, and cold period, or saying, the sun is shining with 
full strength. I don't expect descriptions like this from someone with an MFA in creative writing. And for those who don't know, an MFA is a master's in fine arts, which is an advanced degree for fiction writing. So when I get descriptions like winter is a long, dark, cold period or the sun is shining with full strength, I get genuinely confused and frustrated. These are some of the ways in which I found what we lose to be frustrating. I mentioned before that what we lose contains expositions on South Africa. These expositions on South Africa did not resonate with me at all. I wasn't feeling them because the protagonist's story would suddenly stop and then the author would randomly veer off into unrelated discussions sprinkled throughout the book on South Africans and South Africa. Like talking about Oscar Pistorius, talking about the Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Kevin Carter. The author even inserted a blog post about crime in Durban. There were sections on Winnie Mandela. And then the author would return back to the novel's main plot, Tandy's story. It was totally disruptive to the story's narrative arc. And the hard part about reading these expositions on South Africa was that it didn't feel like I was reading it from an insider's perspective. It wasn't a knowing, intimate, and heartfelt perspective of a South African, but felt like it was coming from a foreign touristy gaze. These South African sidebars have the quality of reading as academic, like something copied and pasted from Wikipedia or a newspaper article. They were all things that anyone who even has a tiny micro familiarity with events in South Africa already knows. It wasn't new information or like, you know, a new take on these people or events. And there was no emotional connection or narrative links between these events and Tandy. It matters because Tandy is supposed to be half South African. It really, really frustrated me because all it did was to say, hey, I'm Tandy, I'm half South African, and I'll prove this to you by talking about some South African things. It just felt like a cheap shot, you know, like these South African events and people were used as filler to fill in pages in the book, and it made me honestly feel defensive and protective of South Africa being used this way. There were other imbalances that I found in the reporting of South African people and events, but in the interest of keeping things honest without being brutal, I'll let those go and move on to something else that I had mixed feelings about. And it was that this book was very unapologetically upper middle class. I felt like Tandy kept trying to emphasize the fact that in South Africa, she is a colored and therefore higher up the social ladder than a black person. And that in America, she comes from an upper middle class black pedigree. The issue is not in having these social advantages. The issue here is that they're not stated merely as fact, but stated as a sort of point being made about social separation. And I'm not sure who that point is being made to because this book is written in the first person. Hmm. I honestly cannot see what we lose appealing to a diverse array of literary tastes. I mentioned that this book is a meditation on grief and grief is a universal experience that everyone across the social hierarchy will go through. We will all experience loss. We will all experience bereavement. We will all mourn people that we love. That's bound to happen to all of us, unfortunately. So I feel like this book should have read as universal, but it didn't. It's very specific in its target audience, very specific in who it would appeal to, and it would appeal to firmly upper middle class readers. But maybe ultimately there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's an old saying, know your audience. And Zinzi Clemens knows this audience very well. Something else I want to discuss, and this is not specific to what we lose or Zinzi Clemens, but broadly across the literary world. Literature has a lot of jobs, you know, to inform, to help us empathize, to reveal who we are as a people, to reflect the culture or the zeitgeist, to introduce us to new worlds, blah, blah, blah. But there's another function of literature which I feel is often minimized or not seen as important as the other functions of literature. And in the pursuit of honesty, I'm just going to say it. Literature also has a duty to entertain. It's like other forms of art, whether it's film or fashion or music or paintings or whatever. I don't care how highbrow or indie or niche or upscale your sensibilities are. Art should also be aesthetically pleasing. And part of being aesthetically pleasing is the duty to entertain, to please my senses, you know? (laughs) 
It's kind of like those super, super indie movies that like only two people will get what the filmmaker is trying to do. Or those haute couture outfits that only 10 people in the world will ever wear. Not because of the price tag, but because there's no normal everyday event to wear them to. In those cases, you're ultimately producing art for yourself and not to please an audience. And this is how I felt reading What We Lose. My opinion is that yes, make art for you. But if you expect to have an audience participate in your art, then you have to think beyond yourself. Look, I get it. This book is not a $100 bill. So it's not going to appeal to every single person that reads it, including me. But I would have at least liked to have been able to relate to a tiny aspect of it. Being that the subject matter is universal. And speaking of being unable to relate to this novel, I think I figured out what the crux of the issue was for me. What we lose reads like the diary of a moody, conflicted teenager. Even though Tandy is not a teenager. So you're immersed in this conflicted, jumbled reality of a person who doesn't even know who they are, who has no sense of direction, who's simply aimless. And there's no inner growth or progression as Tandy got older. I was disappointed, very disappointed. I found Tandy to be very tiresome. And the reason I found her to be tiresome is because she's one of those people that's very feelings-based, who is so severely inward-looking. You know those people who never really look outward, who don't seem to be concerned about how other people are feeling or how they're doing. They're just so into the supposed complexity of their own super important feelings. You know those people who define themselves by their feelings and think that somehow the complexity of their feelings makes them cool. But all it does for the rest of us is make them appear selfish because they don't care about how other people feel. They come across to us as insufferable because they don't have the capacity to realize that other people besides them also experience very complex emotions. I said earlier that What We Lose is a novel about handling grief. It also deals with the depression that accompanies grief, which I think is a really powerful subject to always address in fiction. But the problem with Tandy as a fictional character is that she was always inward looking and feeling sorry for herself even before tragedy hit. So we never saw her degradation from normalcy into grief. Tandy was mourning life way before death came along. It was exhausting. Another aspect to this was that I didn't feel like I could latch onto the secondary characters even if I wanted to ignore Tandy. Tandy was so me 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 that I never got the chance to really get to know the other secondary characters in any Tandy tangible way. So guys, there you go. That's the main gist of my catalog of frustrations with what we lose. Next up, I'll do the fun personality profiling of Zinzi Clemens and guess what I think she's like as a person. And then I'll end with some final thoughts. But before I do that, here's a quick message from my sponsor. Per usual, don't go anywhere. This episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club is made possible by the support of my novel, Oibo, spelled O-Y-I-B-O. It is 1976 when prodigal daughter Songoli returns to her mother's home in a remote southeastern Nigerian village with a wailing toddler on her hip. Not long after, Songoli vanishes again, leaving the fair-skinned and dreadlocked child Adesua and unanswered questions behind. Oibo is the haunting chronicle of Adesua's troubled girlhood in the village where she is persecuted for her biracial dreadlocked appearance. And after a tragedy occurs, the novel falls at Desu's devastating coming of age in the bustling cities of Lagos and ultimately Brooklyn, New York. Reviewers have described Oibo as captivating, powerful, and heart-wrenching. Oibo is available on Amazon.
Welcome back to the Misty Bloom Book Club. Thanks for staying with me. Okay, I'm going to do the personality profiling of Zinzi Clemens. Of course, this is fun guesswork purely from reading what we lose. So I'm going to guess that Zinzi Clemens is probably a spontaneous, adventurous type person who wears her heart on her sleeve. If you know Zinzi Clemens, let me know if I hit the bullseye with this or if I'm completely way off base. Finally, I'll close with saying that I admire the unconventional, eclectic style and structure of what we lose, even though I think it would have been incredibly successful if it was written as a straightforward memoir. But I also realize it's a selfish thing for me to say, because by saying that I'm wanting the author to adapt her art to suit my own particular preference, and I suspect, and of course this is pure but respectful speculation, that it was a deliberate choice for Zinzi Clemens not to write this book as a memoir to intentionally put some distance between herself and the grief and shield herself from direct pain. And I completely understand this. So if you've read What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens, or if you do plan to read it, let me know what you think. Let's talk about it on social media. Thank you for hanging out with me on this episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club. Don't forget to like, share, leave a comment, and subscribe to find me on social media or to contact me for sponsorship opportunities. Or if you'd like to become a member of the Misty Bloom Book Club and enjoy all of those wonderful perks, go to www.mistybloom.com for all of my information. Be sure to check out my novel, Oibo, spelled O-Y-I-B-O, on Amazon. Until next time, keep reading, stay lit, peace and love. Thank you.